Okay, got a great guest today, citizens. Freedom fighter, got some good information to um, help fight back about against the establishment and their shenanigans. And how we might to uh, possibly get rich if all goes well, which it could do if we're in early enough. But caveat, we do not give financial advice. You do your own due diligence. For audio listeners, you won't see this, but there's a flip chart here. We'll be coming out on video later. The revolution will not be centralised. That's a pun I didn't make up. It relates back to a a song from the 60s, I think. Anyway, before we crack on, I just want to mention that I've met Touche and I heard a talk from him in a room a few months ago. And as a result of that, I looked at these two documentaries that are available. Um, Silverfish, Tracking Down the COVID Conspirators, available on Rumble, possibly other sources. COVID-19, what's the connection with Bitcoin on BitChute? That's your latest, that's great. This first one is a long one. It is, Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was more... uh... That was more just sheer desperation to try and explain to people that this wasn't a conspiracy theory. This is absolutely real. And I knew that I knew that nobody would believe me. So I literally just had to put as much evidence in there as possible so that people could actually see it for their own eyes. So I thought to myself, you know, they're literally they're not going to believe it unless they can see it. And yet, you know, Rockefeller was right in his secret covenant when he said, uh, you know, an illusion it will be so large, so vast, those who will see it will be thought of as insane. You know, so even those people who see the documentary now, you know, they, they literally just think, nah, you, you, you're nuts. And I'm just like, I just, you can't win with some people, you know, <laughs> so you literally just have to, I'm, I'm really grateful for any people like yourself who can actually see the bigger picture here, you know, because it's just, it's, it's really quite, <laughs> it's really quite traumatic when you know what's going on. Is indeed been aware some time, but uh, some of your information in relation to what's coming up was new to me. It's a lot to digest, citizens. Mm. We'll start here, I assume. I'll leave it with you now. Uh, I might have a couple of questions later on. Yeah, I'll sure. Yeah, flip, I'll flip pages for video viewers as we move on. Uh, yeah, so uh, I may as well. Start well again. I'm what I'm trying to do is I'm I'm trying my best to explain to people the well. I'm trying to explain to people what this is, but also how important this is. Uh, and and literally, money has to be a commodity. It has to be common to everyone. If someone controls a medium of exchange, it is a security. It it is not. It's not money. And it, the reason it's so important is this: we either have a literally a totalitarian, tyrannical one world government or we have a one world common money and it's the use of a common money that prevents a one world tyrannical dictatorship from getting into power because they can't control the medium of exchange it's it's literally it belongs it be, the the medium of exchange we either have a common money used by the people to create government that then works for the people or government will create currency to control the people they are literally the only choices that we have. But because the powers that be have made you know, education all about transgenderism and sexualizing children and 
all this kind of crap. They've made people ignorant of economics. And uh, I just sort of like always thought everybody knew about this um, because everybody seemed to be, you know, carrying on, you know, uh, <laughs> bliss, you know, blissfully unaware of what this thing was. And I was just like, what am I missing here? How does it ha- Why is it everybody, everybody else seems to get this and I don't? And then I realized that actually people don't get it. They're just walking around in, you know, ignorance is bliss kind of thing. But I never, ever thought I'd be in this situation where it would be so important uh, yeah, and that our lives would depend on it. So, so yeah, here we go. So we've got Is your background yeah, in economics. So you've just had an interest in it. Have you been involved in uh, financial, the financial system? Uh, it was, I did financial services, but to be honest with you, any, any professional qualification and education just simply indoctrinates you into their financial system. You know, so it doesn't it doesn't actually really benefit you. I mean, I, I sometimes tell people, yeah, you know, I've sort of studied financial services and, you know, it's a university. But I mean, to be honest with you, I only really do that to give myself a little bit of credibility. But to be honest with you, I learned not, nothing compares to to this. So really, it was just literally having a genuine interest in um, helping and supporting small businesses, because, you know, if, if a small business is using a medium of exchange that is effectively toxic, and therefore going down in value, unless you can increase your prices in line with inflation or somehow reduce your overhead costs in line with inflation, you're constantly fighting an uphill battle to stay profitable and in business. And, you know, it's choice that gives us freedom. If there is no choice, there is no freedom. So we need to encourage lots of small, independent, small businesses and enable them to survive and thrive. And the only way we can do that is if we're using an asset uh, as a medium of exchange. And an asset just simply needs to be fixed in supply. That's it. If it's fixed in supply, it means that nobody can inflate it or deflate it. And as more and more people come into the market to use it as a medium of exchange, uh, it just simply increases in value. So it means that small businesses can then survive and thrive. That's that's really it. It's really it's really quite simple. Um, but since the powers that be have you know, created World War II to basically steal all the gold, which was the medium of exchange that the world was using uh, prior to that, um, they were just like, right, you know, now we've got the gold, we can probably conquer the world and, f- you know, fulfill our uh, religious prophecies, uh, you know, of a tyrannical one world government, which is absolutely horrendous for uh, anybody who uh, they don't consider to be the chosen people. But then luckily for us, uh, Bitcoin has come along, which um, express well, um, commoditizes digital data. So when you've actually got digital data that's a commodity, it means that you can actually uh, transfer value and use it as a means of exchange as fast and as efficient as light and and all around the world. So you've literally got a true medium of exchange that can be used for global trade. Whereas at the moment, global trade, literally the entire world economy as we know it, runs on uh, securities fraud. So it's, yeah, which which they control. So it's really quite, <laughs> it's really quite dire, the situation we're in. Mm, mm. But hopefully there is, but there is a way out, <laughs> which is Bitcoin. The the tunnel. Yes. Hopefully. Indeed. Indeed. Do you want me to go over that a little bit? The Nixon shock, Bretton Woods agreement? Um, did you what? It's up to you. Do you want to cover goods, services, securities, com- uh, commodities, or do you think? Yeah, you- yeah. Yeah, oh, well, wow. let's go over them quickly. Yeah. So, quickly, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, economics 101. Uh, literally, there are only four things that circulate within an economy. You've got goods that are manufactured, you've got services that are provided. You've got securities that are certified secured entitlement and they are therefore granted by a higher authority. 
a centralized power. And then you've got commodities that are just simply common to everyone. So they're therefore you know extracted or grown. So if you were to actually use a medium of exchange outside of bartering, which is just sort of you know one-to-one trading, uh, if you were to use a medium of exchange within an economy, the only thing it can be out of those four things is a commodity because nobody controls it, nobody manufactures it, nobody provides it. It is literally common to everyone. And it has to have a, a, a use case. Mm. So the word commodity is just simply an amalgamation of three words. It's something that's common that's then been itemized and then uniquely identified. And once it's uniquely identified, it means that it, you, know, it, you can say that it actually belongs to you. And therefore, you can use it as a medium of exchange um, in the transfer of uh, goods and services. Mm. And I'll just touch on currency there quickly. So... Uh, okay. So whereas with the word money is a monopoly commodity, so when a when a commodity, because it's economically competitive, monopolizes a market due to its ability to be used as a medium of exchange, it becomes a monopoly commodity and recognized as money. That's what money is. Whereas a, um, um, a currency is a circulating security. And again, a security is issued by a higher authority that grants your entitlement to that value, whether it's a piece of land, whether it's a bit of gold, whether it's share ownership or, or something like that. So if you remove the um, the asset or, or whatever the entitlement is um, from that um, security, it securitizes you to absolutely nothing, which is securities fraud. And so mm. if you remove money from currency, uh, and again, currency is a circulating security because a a current um, a current flows and circulates. So when you try to sort of make a word out of a circulating security, the best word you come up with is currency. So currency is meant to transfer and um, uh, and transport the the value of the commodity. So if you remove the money from currency, you end up with securities fraud, and that is what we're dealing with at the moment, which is insane. So effectively, these people that print the currency that has no value. Um, there's nothing they can't afford. There's nothing they can't buy. There's no politician they can't bribe. There's no hitman they can't pay. There's nothing they can't do. You know, so this is why literally, um, if you understand how big this conspiracy is, the way we stop it is by stopping them from using their securities fraud. But in order to do that, we have to understand money and understand Bitcoin. Yeah. I just want to apologize in case later I get mixed up with my terminology. I do sometimes interchange the words money and currency. So if I mess up later, which I likely will, we've established that uh, framework now. All right, yeah, I'll just I'll just correct it if I hear it because it's really yeah. important to uh, it's really yeah. important for people to understand it. Yeah, a lot of econom- economists I understand don't get the differential. They don't understand it, and they interchange the words too. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, it's outrageous. You know, it's it just goes to show you how bad the situation is. Mm. Right. So, if you want to talk a little bit about gold and what happened, uh, yeah, absolutely. I've got yeah, two points here. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah. So the the way we ended up in this situation was um, that the central bank of the United States, the Federal Reserve, was created on. Uh, uh, in December of 1913, uh, and it's never been audited, but it just meant that um, a very elite group of people could just simply print as much currency as they wanted, 
you know, and just claimed that it was backed by gold uh, when <laughs> when when it when they couldn't when they couldn't really prove it. Um, but when you can print an, an infinite amount of currency, uh, you know, uh, what you can do is you can create a war to then drain um, other countries of their of their money, which is their asset and their value. So effectively, assets strip them uh, by creating a war, which is what I very which is what I suspect they did in the Second World War. So they financed Hitler to get him to instigate a war in Europe where they supplied both sides. So effectively what they were doing is they were draining the European countries of the gold reserves, um, which resulted in the Bretton Woods Agreement of 1944, where the US, these these group of elites, turned around to the European countries and said, ah, you now no longer have enough gold in your banks to back the amount of currency you have in circulation. So your currency is going to be have to be backed by our currency, and it's our currency that's going to be backed by gold because we've got it all, um, which was a very precarious situation to be in because... Then you have a, a country that has a currency that is not that is not economically competitive or reliant um, on the responsible practices of the central bank because it's not competitive with any other currency. Um, so it, it basically gave them carte blanche to literally just print as much currency as they, as they want without any uh, economic penalties, um, you know, to to their to their economy. Um, and that was that that uh, situation where well, the agreement came to a head on the. Uh, in 1944, which is why I suspect the war finished the following year in 1945. Um, but then on the 15th of August 1971, which was exactly 100 years to the day that Albert Pike um, released his letter to Giuseppe Mazzini explaining how three world wars would bring about a, a one world government and a totalitarian dictatorship. Um, and now, you know, we have basically a, <laughs> the everybody's money backed by the US dollar. And the US dollar was removed from the gold standard uh, via the Nixon shock, which meant um, the US dollar was now backed by nothing of any value, uh, which turned into securities fraud. And um, likewise, the same classification was given to all the currencies backed by it from the Bretton Woods Agreement. So, um, yeah, we might not have had a, a totalitarian government right then, but we've got a pretty much a totalitarian um, economy that can literally crush all other economies around the world, which is what the IMF have been doing. You know, the World Bank, um, you know, they've they've really they've really not been um economically supportive of other other economies. What they've done is just simply asset stripped them and destroyed them. International so, yeah. Monetary Fund too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Here we go. Yeah. Two thousand eight release of the white paper. So what the white paper did for the first time in history was that it expressed for the first time how to actually commoditize digital data. Um, so the way it works is that you literally create a program that produces a uh, produces a token that allows you access to the network. And if the network that produces the token doesn't have any central point of authority or control, and therefore you can use the token to use the network, it means that you buy the token to use the network to then have sovereignty over your own data because it's the network that produces this sovereign token. Uh, and that's effectively what Bitcoin is. It's a, it's a, so, it's a sovereign digital token because it's um, extracted from a program that is economically competitive, that produces common accountability, that has a locked protocol, um, unbounded scale, uh, meaning that limitations and restrictions can't be manufactured. Uh, and with a fixed token supply, so that nobody can inflate it or deflate it, uh, and that's what that's what Bitcoin is. 
So I've literally just come up with that on the top of my off the top of my head. A sovereign, the sovereign digital token. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Yeah. 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 So so it was initially uh the token was initially given the ticker symbol BTC. Uh, mm. but then the powers that be understood the threat that Bitcoin was to uh their economic power and dominance of the central banking system, and then have set about desperately trying to corrupt it. Uh, and realizing that they couldn't actually corrupt it or shut it down, what they effectively do would had was um, or what they effectively what they effectively had to do was change the protocol uh, without people knowing about it, but steal the ticker symbol, uh, which is what they've done. So BTC is actually now on an alternative protocol, which is an economically worthless securitized protocol um, called Segwit. I see you've got mentioned there, which is segregated witness meaning there is no digital signature attached to the transaction data. So it just means that you're receiving nothing more than numbers on a screen because you can't tell who sent or received it, which means you have no legal recourse in a trade. If somebody either runs off with your money or you don't get the good or service in return, um, you you can't prove that you made a payment to them. So, yeah, it's it's a completely worthless token now. So uh, and again, the, the ticker symbol that you need to follow is is BSV. But really, what you need to look at is the the uh, the legacy wallet addresses because because Bitcoin is a commodity protocol. Changes can be made, but um, any changes to the protocol um, turn it into an economically worthless security offering. So they they remove any economic value, and part of the template is the is the legacy wallet address. And so, if you make a fundamental change to the protocol, you will notice that in a change to the legacy addresses and they will no longer start with the number one. So, so using tying the number one in with the um, legacy address and the, the protocol template was a stroke of genius because you know that that was the first protocol, <laughs> which is the only way to commoditize data. So anybody sat on early Bitcoins would still have some significant value. Yeah, 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 yeah. So prior to the uh, 24th of August 2017, um, if you bought a Bitcoin before then, and I think there were there were about $500 at the time, something like that, you know, you would still have, uh, well, you, you know, I think BTC is, they've, they've pumped up to about $26,000, you know, so still a significant increase, uh, but you would have um, all the tokens so you basically what they you would have what they call an unsplit token. So you would have one Bitcoin that contained all the various uh, Bitcoin protocol forks that they'd created. So in order to spend it, you would then have to then split it into the uh, into the three chains. So yeah, if you bought Bitcoin early, you'd be you'd be sitting pretty by now. Yeah, if you hadn't cashed it in or lost it with the Segwit thing, but. Yeah, but if you got it early and you're still sat on it, it, it it's still sovereign, isn't it? Uh, well, the the BSV token in there is sovereign because that's the that's the original one. Um, so yeah, you would still have a you would still have a genuine Bitcoin, but again, because most most people don't understand Bitcoin, all they simply do is follow the follow the market price. Mm. Um, but the reason I'm telling people about this is because if you if you are holding that uh, and and you think it's got any long-term uh, value proposition, um, I'd need to educate you on the fact that it doesn't because the the signatures on the transactions have now been 
segregated. So um, if, if you've bought that recently, thinking that yeah. it's Bitcoin, then you've been defrauded. From 2017, if you've still got earlier stuff, it's still of substantial value, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Segregated witness, segway, how they uh, were running scared, weren't they? And the tracks stopped it. Well, yeah, um, I guess personally, I think what they did is when they when they hijacked it with uh, with Segway, they were. I suspect that they probably thought um, Bitcoin wouldn't be around by now, and that they and that they were, would have installed a uh, yeah you know, a totalitarian um, dictatorship, which meant that they wouldn't have to worry about this. Uh, but that seems to have failed so far. Anyway, uh, hopefully, hopefully, people aren't going to be f- f- foolish enough to. You know, fall for this second lockdown that they uh, they appear to be trying yeah. to bring in. They, they, it, it, it's out there in the wings, isn't it? Threatening us as if they're going to try it again. Hopefully, there's more people. We'll just see through it. Not the yeah. majority, but a sizable enough minority that they can't get away with it. We're never going to get a majority. The majority are muppets. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. But if there's a sizable minority that just say, no, we're not having it, then hopefully we can stop it, if it happens. Because they watch too much BBC News, they trust the establishment, they pay. They they, they can't independent think. They can't free think. They take all their information, all their trust from, you know, media, legacy, mainstream media, they say it, so it's probably true. Without even thinking, you know, they've lied and lied and lied and lied. Did Saddam have any weapons of mass destruction? Turns out not. I mean, personally, I think Tony Blair should uh, have been long in jail for war crimes. Uh, maybe we'll catch up with him later on, along with a few others. Um, Let's hope so. Hmm. Hmm. That concludes part one of our Tushi Trilogy. Part two coming up. Stay tuned.